We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 155 of the Beyond 90 podcast. Uh, Eric Subihano here, back hosting after a week away. My God, I'm so busy. I forgot what I was doing seven days ago, but that's not a problem. We're here to cover everything in the that's happened in the world of women's football. My goodness, it starts in 10 days. Where did the time go? I think I've had a, you're, I mean, Madge, you're like an actual good planner. So you're, you're sweet, aren't you? Oh, but- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got all my tickets and my accommodation and my flights and, and all of that stuff. I've got all the important stuff done. I had that done like six months ago, but yeah. I feel like I'm still in a tizzy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's understandable. This is really unprecedented. Um, times for all of us but good unprecedented times as opposed to all the other unprecedented times we've been having recently um also to complete the trio um cheryl the our editor-in-chief i like to call her the fairy godmother of beyond 90 but um she's completing that and she'll bring her own expertise and hey uh we got three different people in three different states i think that's quite lovely um how's your planning going cheryl is it all right Look, it's all on a spreadsheet. It's it's all perfect, right? Until it's not. Until something doesn't, a flight doesn't do what it's supposed to do Ooh, or yeah. a, you can't find a ticket on the ticketing app or whatever it is. I'm not sure. We're, mm. we're currently in the process of uh, requesting to get some tickets improved. I think everyone should give that a go. Mm-hmm. I already got rejected once, but, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of money. I, I don't know how much people have spent in general. Like people like me who are incredibly dedicated to football and if I go and travel the world and watch it you pay a fortune to get there but even being here I've paid a fortune for tickets and then they're not the best tickets and I'm very thankful that we have the tournament in Australia and New Zealand I'm very thankful for that but I'm also conscious that you know maybe they're not the best tickets and we tried to get in early but it it is what it is I'll be very happy to be there but geez I wish they were just a little bit better and not my nose will bleed absolutely Ooh. at the in Sydney. Um, yes, that, that, yes, that's a good point, Cheryl. I've having uh, looked at some of my own tickets. I may need an oxygen mask for um certain games, but that's a problem for future Eric. Oh, by the way, like I've been, I was a proper grown up today, and I actually filled out a leave form for the leave that I mentioned before I started my current job, which was actually last year during a job interview. So I think that's the last major step. But yeah, we'll. We'll see. It's going to be one great adventure. But enough of our planning. Let's do the feature Matilda for this week. And it's someone uh, very well known to uh, dub fans. Cap 155 is Teresa Polias. Made her Matilda's debut in 2007. She's been to, um, you know, major tournaments with the Matildas. um, And very much known for being a Sydney FC legend. uh, Almost... It still seems weird to see someone else in the number two jersey for Sydney FC, but for so long, Teresa Polias, um, she, you know, really anchored the midfield uh, for Sydney FC. I, my fir- first memories of her are of her jogging a lot, and she read the play so well she didn't need to sprint. She could just jog and intercept the ball and start the latest Sydney FC attack. Um, I also great at taking corners, and I can see the real Teresa Polias 
influence in Mackenzie Hawksby's corner taking these days. Of course, the two of them teammates of both Sydney FC and Sydney Olympic. But enough about me. I'm so mad. So what are your thoughts when we uh, discuss Teresa? Yeah, I think I think you covered it there. It's, it's just really solid all round. Like just one of those casual, like looks really casual and cool kind of players on the field, but contributes so much. And um, and I think when when she was first sort of out for Sydney, it was like, oh, what's 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 the replacement going to be? Who's going to step into those really huge shoes? Because she's always played such such an amazing uh, role for Sydney. Um, so. Yeah, it's just um, solid. Just seems it doesn't seem like a, a, a good enough word to to describe her. Sort of yeah, as a just a really fabulous player who you know just cons- can probably just really consistently really good. Like I I never thought think of her sort of like being an up and down sort of player. She was always she was always going to perform. You felt like every game she stepped stepped on the field. I'm trying to remember how many seasons ago, and I, I don't have a lot of memories really of T playing in Matildas. I have to say that, but mm. for following the the dub for so long, I remember. I feel like it was ten seasons ago or mm. something that she won a, a football supporters of the year mm-hmm. player award, and, and we went to the old um, the old women's game gang went to Sydney, and T was there on our table to receive that award, and. And she was she was wonderful. And for me, sort of being from Melbourne and doing my best to never say anything nice about Sydney FC, um, she was she was wonderful and just such a good leader. I think in the way that she presented herself, and she was always I think she was always very chatty to the referees. I mean, you would kind of look at her and think she's so well behaved, but I think she was extremely chatty uh, with the referees, just maybe debating a call here and there. And there was, I can't remember how many W League goals she scored, but I remember the first. She may have got to two. I'm not sure. If she's got she... at least two. Oh, no, she's got at least three. And I've been at the ground for two of them. There you go. So I, I remember watching and it was just on the tally. And I feel like it was against Melbourne Victory or, or maybe Melbourne City Melbourne in her City. first goal. And, and, and it's from and where? So lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so lovely for her to have the opportunity to score. I mean, she's put so much into the team. And look, I, you know, you never know. We might see her come back and play dub again next season after she's, um, you know, got the little one ready walking around to, to watch the games from the sidelines. So good on you, T. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Because um, scored a bit more at NPL level, but her dub goals uh, took almost legendary status because it took her so, so long to uh, score the first one in the National League. Also, uh, yeah. Only 11 caps for, I mean, 11 caps for the Matildas is great, but I think the fact that it's not more probably speaks to uh, us being very strong at producing central midfielders. And also because she's, a, uh, I believe she's a primary school teacher, maybe she does, she'd done what a few other players have done, like her longtime MacArthur Rams teammate, Kylie Ledbrook, as an example, where they choose work rather than trying to play football at the very highest level that their talents deserve because of, you know, the financial issues, which we have discussed many times on this podcast. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, th- I think just one other thing with T as well is something, you see the success that some teams and talking about Sydney FC that they have, and, and some of that's because of the the consistency of the players that they have, that they 
create an environment, uh, whether or not that's culturally or financially, where the players want to continue playing and there's there's no draw card for them to go anywhere else. And that means that having the consistency of someone like T there to be able to drive that culture through any new players who come along as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's been, she's, she's done so much for Sydney's football spirit, I think in mm-hmm. the way that they arrive to games and play the game. And yeah, you, you can't, you can't say enough about T I think. Yep. And so I uh, believe of course the fam- family very much the, uh, priority for T these days, but she's still um, trotting around for Sydney Olympic in NPL. And if you want to see one of the best um, midfield, certainly my home city's ever produced, then perhaps you might see her um, in the blue and white of Olympic during the winter season here. But let's move on. And yeah, I mean, I've started so many podcasts with bad news to try and get it out of the way, but I actually like this. Let's start with good news. The announcement that First Nations flags will fly at the Women's World Cup. So in all 35 tournament matches to be played in Australia, they'll have the Australian flag, the Australian national flag, the Australian Aboriginal flag, and the Torres Strait Islander flag. And the 29 games in Aotearoa or New Zealand, they'll feature the national Maori flag, also known as Tino Rangatiratanga, and the New Zealand national flag. Yes, I'm very, very pleased that I managed to pronounce that properly. But yeah, it's uh, great to see that. Of course, um, uh, I'm stealing words of someone much cleverer than me that I saw on Twitter, but they've done so much to weave uh, the identity of First Nations people uh, for uh, both Australia and New Zealand into everything surrounding this tournament. So, you know, it's good to see that they're doing that with the flags as well. It's a pleasant surprise after like Mm. getting some, you know, with FIFA sometimes not always Mm. making decisions that, that we're particularly happy with. So uh, having this one, um come come through and just have those flags flying throughout the competition uh, i think is it's just really 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 lovely and it really does set the tone uh for for the tournament i think i almost expected fifa to say no mm-hmm. just because <laughs> just part because. of it is a bit of a well yeah just because but, but part of it is a little bit of a social statement to some mm-hmm. degree as much as we overwhelmingly say it's the only thing that you should do that doesn't read the same way to FIFA so uh, I'm thoroughly pleased to see that they've um, made a decision to not get in the way and to actively support it so well done. Thanks for that so I'll be looking forward to seeing all those flags fly at the games that we're going to of course we're, we're looking forward to that. So next item uh, more good stuff and I'll throw this to Cheryl it's really her area of expertise but Pride House um you know holding events for you know the lgbtqia plus community um during the tournament i think uh, we were discussing that just before we started show how important uh, that is yeah so live watch parties uh this is for people who maybe don't have tickets but you can actually go to the venue where i look i don't know the specifics but i'm assuming that they will have a big screen or something in the down in docklands in the ymca docklands mm-hmm. hub you have to register to go. I don't know if they're already full, but it's definitely about welcoming the LGBTIQ plus fans to fans, athletes, allies, whoever you might be to go down there and watch the things together. They do have some speakers. It is a joint initiative between Proud to Play, Change Our Game and Football Australia. It's 
it's terrific that it's here in Melbourne. It's here in Victoria. To some degree, it would be great if it was, not to some degree, to every degree, it would be great if it was around everywhere else as well. But that's not to say that there aren't events where um, the community will have a, a wonderful time and feel supported. Um, I think it's nice to, maybe they'll get some, an audience that didn't necessarily plan on watching the football, but may have been walking past and, you know, it seems like a, space, a safe and inclusive place and they might go. It's quite busy down there, down around Docklands. There's a, a nice little, uh, what is that, a mixed kind of court facility there as well. So there'll be plenty of people around and, and I do hope it's really successful and I, yeah, encourage them to do more of those kind of events. So I think for the moment, the key dates that they have are Australia versus Ireland. So obviously not a match that would be in, in Melbourne. So be able to, if you're just sticking around in Melbourne, go there and, and watch it together. And then Australia v Canada yeah. as well. So the 20th of July and the 31st of July. If you don't have anywhere else to go, then get there. Have a look at the show notes. There's a link in there yes. and try and register. Hopefully there's still some free space. Yep. And the other point I'd like to add, just because I'm looking at the link you put in there, Cheryl, um, down the bottom, uh, I see a link to a couple of other watch parties. So you know, perhaps if you haven't got tickets, as Cheryl said, do some time to do some searching on the Eventbrite website and see what you can find. Maybe uh, you can find a watch party that's near you or that suits you. So yeah, all and we've that. just we've yeah. just decided to put up a, a watch party list from Matilda's Active, which I only just started posting about just before we started the pod. So um, I can add it on there. But yeah, it's um, it's yes. good to see all these great watch parties around the country. Yeah, that's right. Because of course, I mean. Uh, the real dedicated fans such as us would be flying to multiple cities during the tournament. That's not viable for everyone, uh, but so good to have these watch parties and really uh, build that sense of community. Also just a recommendation, look to uh, whatever live sites your city or town may be hosting. I know I'm, I'm fortunate that um, in Parramatta uh, council, they're doing one right in Parramatta square, which is not too far away from me. And I do believe that's all games. So uh, yeah, just check that out. And, you know, the thing I've said, encouraging people, don't just watch your favorite country or countries, but really just try and watch as much as you can in nations you wouldn't uh, necessarily normally think of seeing, and you might see um, fan bases you wouldn't normally come into. Now, um, yes, ah, the sad news. We have to do this, of course. Um, so the news and um, a brilliant article by a friend of Beyond 90, Samantha Lewis, not the first mention she'll get uh in this pod but uh nigeria it's um the situation in nigeria it's every it feels like every week we do this very very not good um the head coach randy waldrum has uh, had enough has spoken out about the treatment of the team from the nigerian football federation parent the word is uh, in this article which we'll link to he's on the verge of being sacked basically this the the standard story of the story that is uh, sadly too common in, with women's national teams. They're underfunded, but not just the cash, under-resourced, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, apparently, uh, Randy doesn't have full control over who he selected in the squad. And it's, yeah, just um, another sad time. In terms of what should be a celebration of women's football for 32 countries, it's uh, sad to see Nigeria not getting the preparation that they really should. I may have made it up, so cut me some slack and, and no one attack me if I get this wrong. But my my thought was that he did have full control mm. over the squad in okay. his contract. And yeah. and I believe, allegedly, that Nigeria are not honouring that. Yes. So 
Uh, and I, I think that might be part of the discrepancy, but I'm not entirely sure. So I don't want to steer people in the wrong direction. Please have a read of, you know, whatever information that you can get out there. But my understanding is that Randy's a smart guy and he potentially can foresee the different things. And he's like, okay, I need to be able to pick the squad. And I think that's where some of the challenges are at the moment. Not too sure. Yeah, and it did, it, there's been some allegations around, uh, you know, even when the Federation have spoken to the team, if, the, if any of the members of the team have spoken up, they've then, you know, had to, you know, retribution against them, which is really, really poor. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, all, all the best to the players and and the support staff trying to do their best, uh, support them in whatever decision they make. We hope it doesn't get to, well, hopefully the Federation their head in for one of a better word so that yeah. um they're supported and can perform at their best at, at the world cup yeah and um yeah but glad you mentioned the support staff match uh there's a quote in this uh fifa allows your staff to have up to 22 people what we have only 11 we don't have scouts to watch the teams in our group or potential mm-hmm. opponents and i mean i'm keeping it on brand by referencing ireland but i did read a story in a I heard a story in a podcast recently. Vera Pauv, um, because of that convoluted European playoff system, they weren't sure if they Ireland knew they were going to face the winner of Scotland versus Austria. So the Irish Federation, as an example of the opposite to what we've been speaking about with Nigeria, they sent not one scout, but three to Scotland versus Austria. And of course, the game, the, that was a game, I believe, that went to extra time. Then uh, the scouts worked through the night to have a dossier on Scotland who ended up winning um ready at 9 a.m the following morning so they could get right to business then it goes on on the bus to hamden park on the irish bus uh katie mccabe was telling a story of looking over courtney broston's shoulder and she's studying penalties and what would be the potential outcomes of that then courtney broston saved a penalty from caroline weir and as we know ireland won so i think that's what we're talking about it's not just Mm -hmm. the players and the cash and not even just the physios but also stuff like that um you know, uh, I can't remember who said this. It's too late. Uh, fail to plan, plan to fail. That's saying it's, you know, it's important to uh, make sure that you know uh, what your opponents are doing. So, yes. Um, so I've gone on a bit of a tangent there, uh, trying to keep it back on track. And uh, the fine folk at the PFA, and I assume... Oh, for, oh sorry? you've jumped. Keep... Squad. Oh, yes, yeah, squads. squads. My bad. Yeah, squads. So- let me let me take over for a moment. I've been keeping a list of all the squads as they've been announced as provisional or training squads, mm. confirmed squads. As of earlier today, we had all but three of the the okay. nations have announced their confirmed squads. I say confirmed in quotes because all squads mm. are actually provisional until mm. FIFA has the final say. So who we were waiting on earlier today that may have changed, but Haiti in Group D, Vietnam. Haiti had not announced any squad. <clears throat> Vietnam had a, announced a provisional squad in Group E. And then in Group H, Morocco had announced only a provisional squad. Now, that may have changed. And my understanding yeah. is that everyone has to be, has to put their words out there by tomorrow, I think it is. So it might be yeah, think, tomorrow, not Vietnam, Australian time. but I think Vietnam just had a game against New Zealand. So perhaps they were just waiting to... Mm have that game before making some final decisions, which would make sense. Yeah. And then the other thing with the squads that are out there, there will be unfortunately some late changes to the Mm. squads. So 
Amandine Henri, yeah. who mm. I, it's kind of devastating that she's been out of the French national team for a little while due to some um, challenges or difficulties with, with coaching uh, back in the squad, but she seems to have given herself a calf injury. So we won't see her playing for France, which absolutely dreadful um, would have been so exciting to to watch her play, but we wish her all the very best. I'm not sure if there are any other late um, late people pulling out, but yeah. No, I know there was a Katie McCabe scare, but I think it's, we're hoping fine. that she's, she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> that was someone just playing a joke on on Eric. The, the player yes it there is a scare but as as we need to remember this is the player who scored the win, winner against manchester city four days after wearing a knee brace so <laughs> yeah that, i think the, the chat at the time with that ireland france game it was precautionary and yep she appears to be training all uh and it's all systems go at Rochdale Rovers of all places, yes. match. <laughs> and I, yes, Eric sent, sent me a, a photo and it's like just, yeah, very nice to see your yes, local suburban grounds um, getting around with World Cup teams. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for uh, just Sydney references, France at the home of, at Valentine Sports Park, uh, Football New South Wales headquarters, which has forced uh, our entire state federation staff to work from home for a time being, while Campbelltown at the Palace Mark. Oh, sorry, C- Columbia, my bad. Columbia are at the Palace Marconi Stadium, and Zambia are in Hamilton, my favorite little place in New Zealand. So, like, lovely to hear these stories. And just, um, and yeah, just if you're on social media, just seeing stuff like all these random national teams just chilling in Australia and New Zealand. It's great. Um, now, Ice, on t- before I uh, thanks Cheryl for correcting me and keeping me on the right plan. But the PFA have uh, released, I think, uh, their latest uh, wound call it a report. It's definitely uh, in a reasonably long form uh, web article, which we'll link to about, um, yeah, it's entitled uh, Getting Over the Hump A League Women's Path to Professionalism. So uh, they surveyed a bunch of players. This is something they do, I believe, at least once a year. And I assume a friend of the pod, Kate Gill, is at the center of all this. But yeah, just really in terms of we always want to improve the standard. And, you know, it's the challenge that we've been saying for years. The majority of players still need to work outside of football. And juggling that has um, has uh, really affected some players. There's some anonymous quotes about, you know, players talking about the stress they're under um, trying to judge many things and in fact uh future matilda Teresa plias i think she once had to miss a midweek game away to perth because of work so you can see if things like that are happening then there's still um some barriers before these players can uh, really uh ful- fulfill uh their potential i don't know uh, what else you might have but i imagine i assume you know a few players up in brisbane but yeah, it's been um it's still still the main challenge for the league isn't it and and I think it's it's one of those. I think that report. I, I just skimmed through it, but I think it's it's touched on a lot of things that we probably knew were going to happen. Um, as you know, we we call for you know wanting a full home and away season to, um, from I guess from just a purely footballing standpoint, we we know that we've we've needed a a longer, more substantial professional pathway for players. Um, We've been moving finally moving towards that uh, next season coming up to a full home and away. 
but with that, yeah, it's going to be these sorts of growing pains um, in, in that there's going to be players that are sort of in between, like maybe the younger players, it, it may not affect as much. They might have a little bit more flexibility around study, uh, but then those older players where now the time commitment's even longer than it may have been in previous seasons. And, but you know, it, it may not be necessarily the future career, like football may not be the primary future career path for them at, at this point in their career and their working lives. So it is, it's a tricky period, I think. And, uh, and I think that report just, yeah, really talks through a lot of the issues that are at play and just really uh, emphasising the point that players, especially in this sort of transitional period, still need a lot of support so that, you know, we can have the dual goals of, you know, providing, you know, professional pathways, lifting the professional standards and the quality of the game uh, in Australia, um, as well as, you know, transitioning players into, you know, players who, who may be in the later years of their career, um, um, still being able to have them involved in the game while they're potentially transitioning um, out of it. So, yeah, it's a tough one. But, yeah, I think growing pains that uh, we need to work through with the clubs and the PFA and, and, and FA all work, working together. Cheryl, you're on mute. I am. Sorry about that. I, I was just saying I don't have a lot to add to that, although one would hope that the legacy of the World Cup maybe has an impact to the A-Leagues for the women because at the moment... I mean, you think about the, from the club perspective and the the investment that they would have to make. I mean, it still needs to be financially viable. And if we're getting players to play more often, but we still don't have big broadcasting deals or um, loads of spectators or lots of merch being sold or whatever it might be, it does make it really a, a difficult balance. And I just hope that the the outcome of the World Cup is a significant interest in people coming to watch the dub, which admittedly is a different standard, but the players who are playing in the dub will eventually, some of them will go off and play internationally and will be part of the Matildas programs. There's plenty of young Matildas in the mix. So yeah, it's, I think PFA have highlighted the, where we are right now and, and some of the opportunities, but it's, yeah, it's pretty delicate to get it to happen. So but absolutely the thing that needs to happen. Yeah. And of course, yeah, something uh, you can read if you want to know more about just, um, you know, some uh, some basic survey stuff in terms of players' levels of satisfaction, but also like kind of the qual more qualitative stuff in terms of just how they're feeling as uh, our beloved dub players try to juggle, you know, in a work and football. Now, next up, it's... Um, Sam Lewis does a lot of things well. I think the thing she does better than anything else is long-form storytelling. And so an article yesterday she wrote about um, St. George Budapest. So the, uh, the forgotten women's club team that kickstarted the Matildas. So obviously, uh, you know, decades ago when um, national scouting was a lot more difficult, you know, these club teams were the way to form the basis of national teams. And yeah, it's uh, really... I could, we could only touch on it here, but you've got uh, real pioneers mentioned in the article, um, Pat O'Connor, Trixie Ta Tag, um, and of course, 
mention of um, legend, the legendary figure Johnny Warren, who um, you know was a big supporter of the St George women's team in the day. It would end up uh, becoming uh, the you know uh, forming the basis for the Matildas, and yeah, just uh, really great storytelling. And there's a big quote at the end of uh, a great line at the end of the article, or a quote from uh, Kate Fagan: "The history of men's sports is uninterrupted myth-making. Most women's sports, if you search long enough, also have a rich history. It just hasn't been metabolized into trivia, and it certainly hasn't been uninterrupted. So, time, instead of adding to the luster of women's sports as it does for men's, it erodes it. And I think that's why Sam is so passionate about that storytelling. And really, um, as we, of course, we, it's great to see the present-day Matildas are." a big deal but i think it's also important to think about the pioneers and who came before them you know standing on the shoulders of giants and all that so yeah like i don't i think i mean I, I'll, I'll say this with a lot of articles but i really would encourage people to read that because it's you know another wonderful piece um just just mention that there is a lot of discourse at the moment about in, in any different football channel that i seem to be in um there's maybe a lack of agreement with mm. these these players and mm. whether or not they were the original Matildas. Now, to the best of my knowledge, Football Australia, and I think Sam goes into some of this as well, mm. Football Australia has offered them recognition, but not in the form of being Matildas. And the reason for that is quite specific. It is that they are mm. largely a mm. club team who went and represented Australia but that it wasn't a selection process. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and what I'm not trying to say is that they weren't pioneers. They absolutely were pioneers. They've been amazing for the game and they absolutely do deserve recognition and they have been offered recognition. But what I would also say is that if you were the most amazing player and you were based in Victoria or Queensland or WA, you didn't have that same opportunity to be selected. So it is, you know, a club team that went off and represented, a club team with a couple of extras who went off and represented Australia. Um, the Matildas weren't even called the Matildas back then, but anyway. Um, and I, I think the other thing to note is, I think the eligibility of certainly one of the players is that they weren't necessarily Australian citizens. Mm. So I'm... Honestly, I am not saying that they don't deserve to be recognised. They do. They're a massive part of the history of the women's game. But I also think that there is a difference to the Matildas. So off my high horse. Yes, that's right. No, of course. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Yes, that is uh, one of the parts of uh, the article. And yeah, yeah, Sam does go into that. So yeah, now something a little bit lighter. Uh we love the Tillies. We love Lego. And I think most of us love, and I think everyone except anyone that has to, has to play against a loves Annabelle Martin. So I've embedded a video, our game uh, collaboration between our game and Lego and where Sam Lewis and Annabelle Martin talk about um, their, I think their, their formative experiences in football. Uh, Sam talks about, you know, how she, her, you know, different path to becoming a media person. And yeah, Annabelle does similar um things with their own um experiences because of course annabelle's uh one of the oh god i'm gonna get this wrong original intake into the r game women and non-binary persons media program so while annabelle martin is playing for sydney university she's also uh going to become what i like to call a media elite and i love that also um uh, another good re reason i think for a lot of 
listeners will want to watch this video, Sam's rocking the Flying Bats merchandise. So Flying Bats, in case you weren't aware, uh, the um, LGBTQIA plus club based in Sydney. They play in the, the Northwest Sydney Football Association. And yeah, it's good to see them because I've seen them play this year. They do have the pride colors as part of their kit. And I think they uh, do a lot of great work. So that's um, embedded in there for you. Now, on to... Um, yeah, Matilda's signing news, and this has been rumored for months, but it's finally official. Haley Rasso to Real Madrid. So I think we'll start with Madge because my, my memory's gone at this time of the evening, but she, she is a Queenslander just like you. I haven't got that wrong, right? Yeah, she's absolutely a Queenslander, <laughs> yes. but um, <laughs> and, and so am I, by the way. Yes, um, <laughs> but but yes, the, the worst kept secret. Um, I think it was just like a, more of a matter of when. When is this actually going to finally be announced? But yeah, it's it's great to see Haley go to um, and play you know, in a league which is very different to I think mm. where we've seen her play before. So I'm actually just really interested to see how she goes um, uh, in in the Spanish league and playing against uh, teams like Barcelona. So I think it'll, it'll be good fun to to see what her transition is like. Especially, you know, it seems like she wasn't getting great game time at Manchester City. So going to Savica, uh, it's, it's a bit odd to call them an up-and-coming powerhouse team in women's football. Um, Real Madrid, they've, they've only been in, in the in the league for a few seasons now. Um, I can't remember the club that they've basically rebadged. I can't. Eric, do you remember their name? No, not this time of night. No, I do not. Yeah, but um, you yeah, know, I I think it's really really exciting to see uh, yeah, to see one of our players playing at again one of the biggest clubs in the world. It's great. Yeah, You're so um, I think uh, my spin on it, Haley Rasso, she she loved those Caroline Weir through balls so much. She said, "I need more of that in my life," and so she's oh, once again linking up with the Scottish superstar. But also on a more serious note, I think. I like the point about different um, style of play. It's definitely different to the WSL. And I think that's a good thing for player development. We It's spoken about all the time in youth development, about exposing players to different opponents' environments, styles, etc. Well, I mean, that changes. That does, oh, sorry, that doesn't change once they're adults. And once they're in their 20s, you know, player development should still be really the aim up until uh, players uh, hang up the boots. Uh, Cheryl, I don't so, know if you had anything to add about Ribbon's move. Yeah, I had myself unmute before again. I don't know what I'm doing anyway. I think I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to avoid the dogs from snoring on mic or something or other. But Haley's turning 29 this year, and that blows my mind because mm. you know you sort of watch football and you think that they're all youngsters as you see them coming up. And maybe I'm getting older as well. But you know, 29 is maybe a, a great age to go there and solid, solidify what she knows and develop continually, as you say. But I also think and hope that it could be good for the Matildas for the Olympic campaign, just to, you know, get some more experience around different ways of playing and develop her game even further. And that's the sort of thing. I mean, you know, retrospectively, it would have been lovely to have seen Haley there when she was 23 if, if she was, you know, at the right level because I think your ability to adapt and grow would be great, greatly benefited through that. But, yeah, it's, it's an exciting thing. And I think we talked about it, I think we talked about it last week, that if you get yourself a DAZN um, subscription or, or membership, you will be able to watch the Spanish League 
there as well, I think. Don't yep. quote me. Actually, you know what? Um, but not. I've never been the greatest multitasker, but I'm going to try and Google that right now and maybe... Yeah, M- Molly said that we'll last an week, and I hope it's true because I was like, right, if I'm going to get Champions League and Frauen Bundesliga, and if we add in the Spanish League as well, that's that's sold. So, so yep. I'll see... I'll see if it's true and also see how good their website is because I feel like that kind of thing should be front and center. But uh, not the only, well, not the only big news in Clubland for uh, a member of the Matilda squad. This, well, it's kind of a transfer. Well, it's something being made permanent. Courtney Nevin, who did such a great job in the second half of the season, helping Leicester City avoid uh, relegation when Leicester looked doomed before the mid-season transfer window. Uh, it's now permanent and uh, she will stay on for another season in the WSL. So uh, looking forward to um, more of Courtney Nevin um, whipping in those devilish corner kicks and uh, setting up goals as well as uh, defending them at the other end. Um, then dub signing just briefly because uh, yeah, we get uh <laughs> I try to limit time. Actually, no, I don't. Who, who am I kidding? But dub news and signings. So Natasha Rigby, uh, Perth Glory's fearless leader. The captain's back for another season. And uh, the hope is that she'll make her 100th dub appearance at some point in the 23-24 campaign. And I think, speaking of squad pages, uh, she'll uh, mention that. But we're also, as the signings trickle in, we're keeping um, uh, a list of signings and maintaining that for when the next uh, dub season comes around and of course uh, that will see the reintroduction of Central Coast Mariners and a 12-team competition um, I'll keep going just to briefly uh, sum up Stefan's work uh, Does he's doing yet yeah, continuing his tireless work um, covering the Nordic competitions and NPL Capital Football by the way Stefan don't worry if you can't keep this up during the Women's World Cup we understand but for now uh, in Sweden, uh, in Sweden Damos Damos. round 16, another full game for Teague and Micah. So after that horrible concussion, she's getting much needed game time, but uh, Rosengard lost three on to Linköping. Um, Chelsea Dorber played the second half as Norshaping beat Bromo Pokana. Uh, Charlie Grant um, had, uh, she's doing great at Vitsa. Um, one assist and played a full game. Vitsa beat Duergarden five goals to one. And a full game for Kara Cooney Cross in a nil all draw between Hammerby and Patea. And a full game for Ivy Lewick as BK Hacken defeated Urubu by two goals to one. So lots of game time there. And in capital football, uh, Canberra Croatia defeated Canberra United Academy by goal to nil with a Bella Barac goal. Gungalin United uh, defeated West Canberra Wanderers by five goals to one. Hattrick from Darby Whiteley and two goals from Michelle Heyman. So love to see that. Uh, Madge, uh, you've had Kappa Cup semifinals this week? Yeah, so the, I think during the week, the uh, Souths travelled up to Townsville to take on MA Olympic and they came away with the goods, uh, winning their 3 1. Uh, so that means that the, the Kappa Cup finals now are going to be Souths United versus Lions. So Lions will be looking to take home yet another trophy unless Souths can pull an upset there. So then only a few games over the weekend in the MPLW. Uh, the, the QAS got a win over Kapalabar, 3-2. Um, Mitchelton uh, uh, defeated Pen Power in like, you know, one of those really interesting middle-of-the-pack sort of um, games, but they they took away the win 1-0 against Pen Power. Gold Coast United had a comfortable win against Brisbane Olympic 6-0. And the Lions defeated the Sunshine Coast Wanderers uh, 2-0. 
And table-wise, yeah, we've still just got Lions uh, sort of starting to pull away now at the top of the table, Eastern Suburbs uh, in second, then uh, Penpal, Gold Coast, Benchelton, Sunshine Coast, uh, QAS, South, Kapalaba and Olympic. Cheryl, just briefly, do you have, you've, no, thanks for embedding the tweet from NPLW Victoria account. Did you have anything else to add about uh, your state? Well, if people want to have a look at the results, but I, I look, I think it's been a, a good season in their inaugural season for Preston Lions with a, a 3 0 victory over Heidelberg United. So that was one result that I probably wanted to pull out. It's been interesting. Burundara Eagles are doing a, a great mm-hmm. job this season. We talked about the impacts of the W, sorry, the W, the A League women's competition and how it would affect. Caldy United season or start to the season just because of how heavily influenced they are through Western United and they lost 3-4 against Burundara Eagles as well. Um, FE emerging, having it tough this season. Like I, I love to see the, the youngsters getting out and having a good run, but they went down 3-1 to Alamein as well. And, yeah, and a couple of other results out there. And yeah, I think they're up to round 17. Mm-hmm. So yep, there's still a lot of football to go, but obviously there's some big football tournaments coming up now. And, and I don't know how many of the grounds are going to be impacted by the, the World Cup and the training yep. facilities. Pretty sure that Canada is doing their training at Heidelberg for one. They, yeah, um, yeah but maybe maybe they're doing, maybe they're doing their thing with uh, Canada and just, you know. Train, being the train-ons with them or something or other. No, yeah. not really. I don't really yeah. think that, but it's, wouldn't that be cute? It, it would be, yeah. It's, and venues are also yeah, affecting a couple of things in NPL New South Wales. Obviously, that's as good a segue as you're going to get. So in NPL New South Wales, um, I, some of our listeners will get this reference, but um, on Saturday, it was um, Northwest City Spirit versus a Sydney University. Um so roller bar to we off, had a bit of game time with Sydney FC and then switched from Sydney, but also switched from Sydney Uni, who she played for last year to Spirit this year. So shout out to friend of Beyond 90, Nick Amys for coining Spirit, naming Sydney versus, sorry, calling Spirit versus Sydney Uni, the roller derby. Well done to you, Nick. And I made sure that was used in commentary. Uh, Pass that on. But uh, Spirit also defeating Sydney Uni by three goals to nil and roller bar to we scored. So it's kind of perfect. Um... The Gladesville Ravens beat Illawarra Stingrays two goals to one. So another good result for the newly promoted Ravens. Uh, Stingrays, uh, they're battling relegation. It's uh, they're a proud old club up here, but it's um it's 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 been a tough season for the team in pink. Uh, Bulls FC Academy defeated Sydney Olympic by three goals to nil. And Aideen Keane, she's back from ACL and she's back causing absolute havoc and just like running around or over defenders, whatever is necessary to get the job done. Um, uh, Manly United lost 2-1 to the league leaders Apia Leichhardt, but I don't care uh, my, because one, my boss is listening and two, because Ashley Croft scored twice for Apia so she is now on 18 goals for the season and flying high at the top of the Golden Boot race and, uh, well, by the way, for the Western United fans, Carly Johnson scored an absolute banger for Manly, so check that out on NPL New South Wales socials also the Western Core, I think, shared that on some of theirs um, and then MacArthur Rams defeated Bankstown City by two goals to one. So MacArthur um, in second and the chasing Arpia for the premiership. Uh, a couple of games postponed, Blacktown Spartans versus Football New South Wales Institute and Emerging Jets versus Northern Tigers because both Institute and the 
assume the Jets have a lot of call-ups to NTC, the National Talent Challenge, which starts, well, it's actually started today as of the time of recording. It's in Victoria and Queensland are looking to defend their title in that. So that was a lot, but now time for the best bit of our podcast, Queens, Kings and Emperors of the Week. So Madge, you can go first. Oh, I'm just going to be very, very predictable and give a big shout out to Hayley Razzo uh, signing on with uh, Real Madrid. Great signing, great player, uh, and really want to see her get lots more game time in her club career uh, coming up in the next season. So great signing. I do just want to, on a bit of a down, I know, give a bit of a joker. Um, I know we've seen on social media uh, some a couple of the European teams uh, being a little bit disrespectful mm. to the Haka, which is really disappointing. And uh, hopefully uh, we... it. It, it, it you shouldn't have to remind teams to be respectful of, of the culture of where that where they're showing up but um let's hope that that all the other teams and I think uh, a lot of people pointed to the England team with the open training that they had uh had, had jerseys um, provided and had uh, indigenous uh the local indigenous uh, people provided presentation there and they were really great and respectful so that's what we want to see um so Enough with Europeans being silly. Yes, please. Uh, Stefan provided a Queen of the Week, and it's from the Kanga Cup. Um, so Georgia Ritchie, who was uh, training with Canberra United over the summer, she she's a goalkeeper, but not at the Kanga Cup. She scored 15 goals in four games. And um, yeah, Georgia's also been... Um, uh, involved with the junior Matildas and here is her regular shout out to George's mother, Helen, who runs Canberra United merchandise. And they, she does some brilliant work and Canberra have got so many, so much good stuff. I spend so much money every time I go to McKellar Park. Anyway. When, um, I, saw, Cheryl- when I saw that tweet, I was just hoping that was like, basically she's just hoofing them in from, <laughs> from or, her goal box into the opposition's goal box over and that, over and that over. could be it or it could be like um the blacktown city keeper i mentioned i think it was last month last minute free kick and she just waves her teammates out of the way nope <laughs> i've got this S- situation's under control and then she's banging things in the top corner that that would also be good or maybe just going on runs how about that would you would you accept that match oh absolutely oh, yes like and and anything that gets a goalkeeper a goal is yes. a win in my book it's all good uh cheryl who have you selected for this week well, I said I would wing it and I am absolutely winging it because I, I have, we haven't talked about France versus Australia or, or mm-hmm. Australia oh, versus France not. coming up on, on Friday. <laughs> so a shout out to that and a particular shout out to, um, I mean, it's similar but different because a lot of it's about the World Cup at the moment, not this pregame, but it's been nice driving around some of the, the roads and streets and seeing big billboards and, and trams decked out in World cup kind of advertising which i love there's a beautiful big billboard out towards melbourne airport on one side you've got a, a big nike ad and then on the other side you've got alana kennedy that's been brilliant uh, so yeah a shout out to some of the advertising so that people international people turning up and even locals who have had their heads under a rock or in the sand or you know hopefully they're going to be able to see this um, it'll be a great match. I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. So we're recording this Monday night, but tomorrow, if you're around in Melbourne at 4 p.m. Federation Square, get down there. There will be the Matilda's squad presentation. So obviously it's already been selected, 
but you'll be able to see hopefully some or all who knows of the players jumping up on on the stands and um, hopefully interacting a little bit with the crowd in, in some sort of presentation or interview. I think that'd be lovely to see. Um, and and we might come back to that that match and talk about it a little bit more. But just to round out my um, Queen to the Week, Sam Kerr, I received, received her book in the mail today, My Journey to the World Cup. It looks like it's got some nice pictures and whatnot in there. I'm not sure if I'm absolutely the target market. I, I don't know if it's marketed for a little bit younger or, or maybe it is absolutely me. So I've grabbed that if you're interested. I always think it's great when new books come out um, for players and sharing their journey and hopefully adding some more revenue for them. And then finally, I think, did I have one more? No, that was it. That was the the Fed Squared and the, the yep. game. Hopefully there's, I think, is it is it a sellout, the Matildas v France? I'm not Pretty sure. Pretty much. Fingers crossed yeah. everyone is going to be okay. So please be careful, everyone out there yep. playing. I did see yes. a, a, a tweet where I think they just released 500 new tickets. So I'm sure they've been snapped up. And, oh, and a shout out, if you're in Brisbane, we're going to be watching the game at the Lord Alfred um, there yeah. at Petrie Terrace. So come along if you haven't been able to go to Melbourne. Yep. And I'm uh, sorry, Cheryl, just for completeness, what's the title of the Sam Coe's book? Oh, oh, uh, one okay. moment. My Journey to the World Cup. Oh, yeah, my, you did say that, my bad. Oh, yeah. Journey, yep. yeah. That will be just good to have that in the show notes. So, so people can buy that at Big W, Kmart, that 22 bucks, um, cool. unless you want to buy it on Kindle or, or whatever. Yeah, but I, I just think it's great that, now in this era, you can actually have players releasing books that people are going to read at a, as a current player. It used to be that you had to retire and have some kind of prolific career and then people might read it afterwards. Carly Lloyd, Abby Wombach, those kind of players. Mm-hmm. But now we've got active players releasing books. I just hope that if someone like Amandine Henri releases a book, they're going to translate it into English as well for me. That, yeah, that, then you'd know uh, that's to be a big step for... Uh, woe so if we get those book translations that's a very good point and translations possibly of other forms of uh, media so Dale who is having the time of his life in Greece and is actually set to um, return to Australia on the day of Australia versus Ireland so fingers crossed to our Canberran friend that everything goes well there he's going to be absolutely cooked at Sydney Olympic Park on <laughs> on July the 20th but yeah, I hope it goes well. But yes, he's um, had a couple of nominations. Oh, by the way, yep, yeah, giving uh, his own round of applause to FIFA for what we spoke about earlier with the First Nations flags. Once again, great to see them being flying high as they deserve to be flown at the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. And he had a pretty um, predictable Queen of the Week as well. But fair no, well deserved because Megan Rapino decided has decided that she will retire at the end of the season. Um, so outspoken. Uh, contributed so much both on the field and off the field. And, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing what Megan does in the next phase of her life. And I've got uh, two selections. Firstly, um, in English lower league football, uh, Hannah Dingley has made history for that uh, part of the game, um, uh, becoming the interim manager at Forest Green Rovers, by the way, the all-vegan club, Forest Green Rovers, and the first woman, big fist pump from Shell for that, but Hannah Dingley, the first woman to lead a men's club in any of England's top four men's divisions, so I hope it goes well. Who knows? She may even get a permanent contract. And the other one, 
by other. It's a king of the week, Dean from the Little Corner of Yellow, the um, Sydney-based Wellington Phoenix supporters group. He's been busy making gifts for all 23 members of the Football Fern squad. Dean, by the way, um, he gave me some gifts. So he loves working with Wood, so I'll see if Cheryl can... This is not going to be great um, pod content, but that is a Wood version of Mackenzie Barry's shirt, and I don't know if you can see, it actually has... Mackenzie Barry's autograph. He very oh, kindly got that for nice. me. And then the good, the real World Cup stuff, but he made, got me the Ireland badge, the new Ireland badge as a wood thing. So that was very nice of him. But uh, more to, uh, in this tweet that I've embedded, um, yes, little triangles with uh, Football Ferns WWC 2023 and the name and squad number of each um, player, as well as the Ferns logo and the little bit of detail um, town and skitty, city skylines for whatever part of New Zealand they're from. So that's that's absolutely brilliant. And I uh, I do do enjoy Dean's company. I did see him uh, recently at an NPL game. Uh, so New Zealander yeah. who wears an Australian shirt to an Australia game. So good work. He he. Uh, I have I've not experienced that, but we if have he photos. Does, we have photos. Well. Um, <laughs> Good, good for him. I will, I must, um, well, at some point I have to wear my Mackenzie Barry Ferns jersey to an Australia game. I think to balance it out. <laughs> so, uh, do either of you have anything to add? I was going to add one little thing just about Megan Rapino, and I can't remember when it was, what season that she was out here playing in Australia, but I, I remember it was a game where Sarah Walsh was playing for the Western Sydney Wanderers mm-hmm. and Megan Rapino came to watch the match yeah. and we actually got a photo and an autograph with her. So yeah, she was, she was absolutely delightful. You know, the, and that's one of the things that I love about women's football, that they are these massive icons, but they are still very genuine and mm. accessible players. And I know that that will change and I know that that is changing mm. But for the moment, we we have that, and it, it's a, a beautiful thing. Yep. And, yes, it's great. So, But just another digression in terms of the accessibility, because it will change. Um, we've been speaking, I think we spoke at a previous point about how the current um, uh, situation in the WSL where everyone gets a photo and a, a selfie and an autograph, or whatever, that's not going to last for much longer. So, yeah, just whatever opportunity you have to get photos or um autographs take it because uh it's as the popularity of uh women's football grows it those opportunities are going to become more and more rare but Uh, also if you don't get it just calm the farm yes it's still great you're (laughs) there to watch the football yeah don't ask for boots don't ask for socks no signs just just leave people alone no 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 none of this none of this um you know katie mccabe can i have your jersey no I did see another digression, actually, because I I love cycling, women's cycling, Annemiek van Vluten. Uh, Yeah, she's riding in the Giro Don at the moment, and I think she's wearing the pink jersey, which means that she's leading, and they must give her a new one every time, and and there was there's some social media about her having this massive bag of pink jerseys that she's giving out to all of her team, because cycling that kind of cycling is very much a team sport. Mm-hmm. And it's lovely to see her say, I'm wearing pink, but I've got enough for all of us to have one. So it's, it's beautiful. So yeah, but going back to it, you know, it's, it's great that there's so much support for the players, but yeah, it just, it just looks wrong that everyone's asking for something. Just yeah. enjoy the game. 
Yes. Yep. yep. And I think uh, on that note, uh, we can end episode 155 of the Beyond 90 podcast. So on behalf of Magella Card and Cheryl Downs, this is Eric Subhano thanking you once again for your support. Um, and we really hope that your planning is done for the Women's World Cup. And we hope you got all, you know, all the tickets and everything you need and that you enjoy this festival of women's football in Australia and New Zealand. So wishing you a life full of good vibes, great coffee, sick tattoos, razzlers, and very thoughtful gifts from uh, men who used to live in New Zealand. See you next time. <laughs>